It's Wednesday, July 24th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 519 of You're the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 44 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. And this is Julia. All right. So two things. One is the reason there was a gap in the episodes last week, and there might be again, is because I got some kind of a throat infection or sinus infection or something that has really messed up my voice. All that cocaine. Well, and he may or may not have given it to me. So sorry, yeah. everybody. <laughs> and I, I really... Could not talk at all last week, and this week I can kind of talk, but only for short periods. So I don't know how long this episode is going to be. We're just going to see how I hold out. But anywho, second thing, and more importantly, is I want to give a big thank you to Zylo, who is one of folks on our Discord servers and our forums. He put on and did a lot to head up and to really make work the Fear of the Con online or Fear of the Con line. And I just wanted to give a big thank you to him for that. It was a ton of fun. Unfortunately, I had to drop my games because that was right when I got the first round of the infection and I could not speak at all. And so the only event I was able to attend was Brodor did a live negative episode starting at like 11 o'clock at night until 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> in the course of which he drank almost an entire bottle of whiskey. And holy oh, crap, man. it was hilarious. <laughs> it was seriously, I we unfortunately, we didn't record it. I should have. I didn't have any idea it was going to be that funny. But wow. Um, so anyway, Zylo, thank you so much for what you did. Thank and you thank, much. And thank yes. you everyone else that participated in it, that supported it. We appreciate that. And we're going to be doing our best to have a local regular fear of the con this coming year so all right those two things out of the way wayne for sake of my throat yep, i'm gonna this. pass this to you because this is your topic anyway yep instead of beating around the bush for what what it is i have a template here that i made for game pitch ideas because mm-hmm. normally we talk about well here's why yeah. here's this this before we actually say what the more topic than the is. elevator pitch yeah so yeah. anyway the reason i put this thing together was my last round of pitches, I don't think I did a good job at all. I think I came in without thinking them through, without any real passion to them, and I think I did a pretty piss-poor job of pitching the game ideas. Well, and let's, real quick, something I want to hit on, because this is what I was thinking about, Wayne, when you sent me this an email and I was reading it, is we did an episode where we talked about pitching games, And Chad in particular gave a lot of good advice on selling the game and selling your passion and whatever. But I know, Wayne, one of the things that you and I, I we're not salesmen. We kind of need to organize our thoughts. And I think this is a great way to organize your thoughts and present them in a fashion that is much more neutral. You know, you just kind of see the stats Mm -hmm. of the car on paper as opposed to a flashy commercial that's trying to convince you in 20 seconds or whatever, that this is the coolest thing to ever be made. And the other thing that made me want to put this together was I kept getting game ideas Mm -hmm. when I'm not running. And I'm not going to talk to people about game ideas when I'm not running to flesh them out because I don't want to kill the game. I'm playing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for that. (laughs) So that was the other idea for this template was when I'm thinking about it, this lets me think out these ideas 
ask myself the questions, make it fully thought out, write it down. And then when I am ready to run a game, I have pitches ready to go and I don't have to come back to them. So that was kind of the other idea behind it. I wouldn't print this out and hand it to the players at the table. I would use these as a way to think through the questions, think through my idea, and then have it with me there when I'm doing the pitch. I printed out a few copies of it, and I'm sure Dan will have these. He has the PDF version, so I'm sure he can upload it to the resource section. Yeah, so we'll but link you typed it for a mouse. We will link this in the show notes. So if you want a copy of this. Yeah, so I made this up in OneNote. I exported it out to PDF. I sent it to Dan and Chad just for kind of feedback. And before I know it, we're sitting here talking about it on an episode. Well, and I can put it back into Word and big in the font so it's yeah. easier to use. But yeah, there will be some <laughs> version of this in the show notes. So what I sent them was there's this blank template. And then I filled it out for two different games, two very different styles of games, a fifth edition game and a Dresden Files game. The template is pretty simple. It is pitch system which is system and then allowed resource, the world. Like, like give some examples, because I think that's... Some, I think, okay. Use D&D. That's a good example. All right, so we'll do the D&D one here. Pitch system. System is Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Allowed resources, the core rule books, and Xanthar's Guide to Everything. I left other things out because I don't own those books. And okay. because as you start getting into some of the settings books, there's things that I just don't know about. Uh, the world. First section with it is as defined. So standard fantasy setting with many races and kingdoms. The capital city of the kingdom of Bellum is unity. And it is a grand king is a dragon in human form named Gideon. There's a council of kings and queens as his advisors with each kingdom of their own. That is a city state of the larger kingdom. Elves, dwarves, humans, and other defined races have kingdoms within this larger kingdom. Each city has a combination of different races, so even though it's a dwarven kingdom, there are humans, merchants, citizens, with some kingdoms being more open to diversity than other kingdoms. So that was my world as defined. Then for the players to define, what's your home city? What are the politics of it? Why did you seek to join a renowned adventuring guild? So that was what I set up for the world. The next section is the players. So as defined, the players are all part of a large adventuring guild that's headquartered in the capital city. The adventuring guild takes on many different kinds of missions, including hunting monsters, defending, escorting, component gathering, and rescues. There are different ranks within the guild and tests to pass into the different ranks. The players start as a level one apprentice. Uh, then for the players to define, who's your assigned mentor? Define who this NPC is. The NPC will be a level 10 and have a character sheet. In a future session or two, there will be an event that occurs, and you'll play that character. The results of this will affect the campaign and whether the NPC survive or not. And then why did you seek to join a renowned adventuring guild? I apparently doubled it up <laughs> in writing this one, but again, it was trying right. to get me through, for both of these, the world... I was defining that world, but what are the questions I want the players to bring in? Same thing with the players. Here's what I want them to be. And this is more structured than I usually set up for a game. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted an example that was a more structured game than I usually run. An example that I could think of with like a Battletech game, because you could leave this fairly open-ended. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I could say something like, 
the players as defined. Eh, I want you to be something military. Don't really care what faction, as long as you're not pirates or clanners. And for the players to define, be okay, who do you work for? You know, what kind of military organization are you in? How did you get in there? So on and so forth. So, I mean, it could be pretty darn open-ended. Basically, the way I thought about the setup is every game starts somewhere. Mm. What is the situation as the game starts? That is the setup. You know, it's a generic fantasy world. What is your pitch? In this one, you've reached the end of your apprenticeship. It's time for your group to become an official team. You've passed all the tests except for one. Complete a mission on your own. Your mentors have selected the mission for you and will present it to you during the first session. So that's the setup. That's where the campaign is going to start is you finished your apprenticeship. You're going to become a team and your first mission is going to be given to you. For the players to define, if you're successful, you'll be given a choice of three options for guild branches for your team to be assigned to. You'll select which city, and that will determine the direction of the campaign and how you interact with the larger plot. The options will be a small settlement called Hilldale, a city on the border of three city-states called Tricorner, or a port town called Muckwallow. So that's letting the players know right there, you're going to have a lot of say in where this campaign goes. You're going to start with this mission, kind of like a prequel game, basically, Mm -hmm. to figure out how your characters all go together, figure out what you want to do with the world, and then you're going to have a choice for the direction. So then the last thing I had was a notes and comments. This is anything that didn't fit in the other area that I wanted to capture. So on this one, this is a campaign exploring characters coming into their own. While there is a bigger overarching plot, some sessions may be more episodic as the party reviews the mission board, basically, to pick Mm -hmm. their missions. So those basically setting up a, what I'm looking for out of this campaign is I want to explore characters coming into their own. Not everything is going to be part of the big story. You go to the board, you're going to be given options, you're going to choose what you do. Your escort mission may be part of the bigger plot, or it may just be an escort mission. And I put in a, l- a few other things on there about, you know, there's a lot of politics going on. Who you befriend is going to make a difference. You may befriend one NPC within the guild and immediately be hated by another because that person hates the NPC that you befriended. Nothing you've done. And each individual player will have some of that as well. So if Chad was playing this, he could befriend NPC A. Because of that, B hates him. But Julia, you befriended B. B likes you and A hates you. So those were kind of the notes that I put in it. And that was how I got that idea out. Because this was an actual idea for a game I kind of like the idea of running. When you sent this over, it was an email. And I was in the middle of traffic, actually. Like, not checking email while driving. Literally stopped. Not moving. Bloop. Pull the phone down. Check the email. Turned on the mic thing. I'm like, I am in traffic. I cannot look at this. This seems interesting ping me back again otherwise i'll forget and of course you guys never ping me back so i I thought i responded you you did but it didn't come through for some reason and and i i found it when i was opening up my email and i was gonna you know do something else i I saw it there i'm like oh i totally forgot about this so i went to read it and when i first looked at it the first pdf that i opened up was the blank template and something that dan said at the beginning of this episode really struck me with that To me, it looked really stupid Mm -hmm. because it is not how I pitch a game. Right. I, my dad was a salesman, a very outgoing person. 
how I pitch a game is I get excited about a concept and I want you to get excited about this concept as well. And I start pitching it. And as you ask questions or have concerns, I morph and change my idea to meld with what you're throwing at me to see if I can get you excited about it and we can get excited about this together. And that's how I do it. And that's like really gets me going. As you said, Dan, that is not how you and Wayne operate at all. And so when I looked at this template, I'm like, oh, God, this is like (laughs) paperwork. This is more (laughs) paperwork I don't need. And so I was about ready to actually completely write the idea off I pulled up the Dresden one. I really like Dresden, and I kind of wanted to get a sneak peek at your Dresden idea. And that's when the whole concept clicked with me. That's when I was reading it. I'm like, I get it. I understand. It's, I mean, it's so simple. It's like the pitch on the system is, these are the systems that we're going to do. And this is not what we're going to do. And here's some stuff you can use. Okay. Here's the world. And he defines the world. And I'll let you guys read it on the game resources tab or wherever the hell Dan's going to put it. Yeah. I will hit a little bit on the so like sure. system. Cause this was one I actually said, I banned mm-hmm. something. I said specifically not system is Dresden file system, not Dresden files accelerated. Right. I don't like the accelerated version. I think it took too much out. Right. So I call that out. What I really liked about it and why this is a really good way to pitch a system that is much better than, me just getting excited and trying to make you guys excited. I'll look at the world part on the Dresden one. You define the world. It's like, here is the world that I'm creating. And here's some stuff that's not going to be in it. It resonated with me because some of the stuff that's res- referenced in there is stuff that was in our last game that you yep. said is no longer on the table. There's no longer Knight of the Cross on the table. I know why, because there's only like three on the planet. And the fact that we had one St. Louis was not realistic within the world it was a lot of fun we oh, it was explored great. it and now i don't want to explore now that i don't anymore. want to explore it again that makes sense and i'm like okay i understand that and then you put in for the players to define and it's like here you're going to find some city stuff and you're going to find this and uh you know here's some little details i want you guys to define and at this point that's when it clicked for me because what you're doing and why this is such a good sell is you are creating this framework this missing pieces of a puzzle. And when a person looks at a, like a picture or a math problem or a problem of any kind, and there's pieces missing, our minds must fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at this and you aren't asking questions. You are saying, here is some of the picture and this other stuff I want you guys to fill in. Well, I'm instantly filling this stuff in in my head. I'm running the current game. We're only like three games in. And I'm reading this, and I'm already starting to make the world for this Dresden game in my mind. And the other players haven't even been talking. And this is just an example for a topic that Wayne is talking about. At that point, I'm like, oh, I'm totally hooked on Wayne's (laughs) game pitch. I'm not even 20% done reading this. This is completely 100% successful. Well, and sometimes I get into a a problem where when I am trying to define who my character is fitting into a game, not having some of this small stuff taken care of Mm -hmm. is a blocker for me. Yeah. So like having not knowing like what the city town is like or like what the politics are like or economics could really change 
who or what my character would be. And if you don't have that defined like you did, mm-hmm. and then you come to the table with this character, and then they're, and then they're like, yeah, here's the definition. And you're like, well, now I'm useless, that, or this character doesn't that's fit. That's why I picked these two games I had in my head. I have two or three other examples mm-hmm. that I've filled out. But I picked these two as the examples I sent off because... They're two very different type of games. Right. The D&D game, I did a lot more defining of the world. I did right. a lot more of that. And there's less things I'm asking for the players to define versus Dresden Files. And there's sections in here where it's uh, the city will be defined by the players. Everything else about their characters, they're defining. Well, and that system warrants that. Like, that's exactly. part of it. But that's why I did that example yeah. as the other end of the spectrum of this is a game where I would sit down and I don't have a lot for my pitch. Right. So I need to start thinking about the questions. There were a couple of games like that last time I tried to pitch where I wanted the players to do a lot of world building, but I didn't have enough about what I was interested in to sell that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that putting this together asked me about, you know, was, okay, what do I have? Well, what do I want them to do? With his last pitch he did, which was the Hollow Earth game, mm-hmm. the pitch had a lot of problems with it. Right. And the game had problems because of exactly what you hit on, Julia, mm-hmm. where... You pitched an idea, but you didn't create a framework, a latticework for us to work with. So we're like, okay, well, we'll go with this idea that you pitched, these sort of story plot points, right? These sort of tempo points that you hit. But we didn't have enough to fill in the world, and thus we couldn't make a character. It's like you said, you didn't know what the politics were. You didn't know what was good or evil, right or wrong. If you don't know what's good and evil, right or wrong, how can you make a bad guy? How can you yeah. make a good guy? If you don't know what the politics are, how do you know if you can be someone who stands against it or stands for it? But yeah, and that was a problem that we had in Wayne's game is that you had these story beats. You had these concepts of what you wanted to do, but there wasn't any connective tissue between them that the players or you had room to fill in. Right. So it hit exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. where we made these characters that were interesting characters. They were square pegs. We were trying to fit into round holes and it just never felt like it quite grooved together. Yep. But I look at this and, and I can't wait for people to read, like I said, the Dresden one, I mean, it's near and dear to my heart, but it's what really sold me on the idea. If I were pitching an idea, like I can get you excited And I can see what you're excited about and amp that up. I can see what you're not excited about and bash that down and then change and morph as I go. But for you, like you said, when you lay it out on the table, it helps you, the game master, think of your ideas and organize them. It helps you present them to the players. It allows me as a player to start getting buy-in. And that's the key part of any pitch. And you hit the listening to and, Mm. you know, seeing where the excitement comes in. In my case, in using the Dresden file as an example, that comes in where for the players to define sections in each of these. Yes. That's where I get what are the players excited in. And I start building that into the overall plot. There's not a big overall plot for the Dresden one. Right. Like I have in my mind for the other one. Well, and because for the Dresden one, you can't come up with a big overall plot because the city building is conceptual. Yep. The city has to be built because the city is as much of a character as the player characters are. But Wayne, let me ask you a question here because for me, when I do a pitch, I don't want to do a pitch over email or some messenger service. I need to do a pitch where everybody's in the room. Yeah, I want to do it in person. Because, yeah, because I need that emotion reflected back at me. 
Do you need that? Is everybody being in the room for you more of an organizational thing or do you need their energy, so to speak, with this system? I like to listen to what people are tying on in the ideas, even in the pitch. Mm. So I would I would always want to do a pitch in person. Now, what would you do if you couldn't? I would do a big write-up. It would be a ridiculously long write-up. Chad's eyes would be rolling <laughs> at how many pages it is. And, I'm just curious because there's a lot of people I would who miss can't. I would miss out on something. Right. From it. Yeah, for sure. I just know that like, so a lot of times with my group, a bunch of us are having kids now. Everybody's really busy. So sometimes like pitches have to happen via mm-hmm. chat or sometimes we'll get on like discord and talk. But yeah, and I did looking at this, this isn't the kind of thing where I would print this and hand this out to the players, but I think you could use this as a framework like to an example give out mm-hmm. pitches mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Like if yeah. you can't meet them in person, I think you could give them this document and like Chad said, mm-hmm. he re- reading through it, he started getting interested yeah. in ideas. Right. So I think you could actually use it like that. That wasn't what I intended to use it for. I intended mm-hmm. These are my notes when I sit down ready to go. Yeah. No, I would definitely hand this out to people because, it, again, it, it's part of the sell. You are essentially selling a concept that you cannot hand to somebody, but you can look at them and say, Julia, here's the pitch idea, and I just handed her the paper. Tell me what you think. And then she has something both conceptual going on in her mind and physical that she can she can look at. So depending on what kind of person she is, it helps one or the other. How it struck me is it's like, productizing the game because if you go out and you buy an rpg book whether it's a rule book a setting book a module whatever it is there's two parts to that the first part is what does the book define that here's the rules that you're generally agreeing to i mean house rule whatever Hmm. but here's the rules you're generally agreeing to here's the parts of the setting we've defined here's the setup of how the world works and what you get to be, and then it from there goes, and in most game books, it does this pretty quickly. I've had people in the RPG industry tell me that there's a reason they typically only do a short prologue and then go straight to character creation because the biggest sell is you picturing yourself in this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That if I play this, I could be this or this or this or this, and at least one of those ideally sounds pretty cool. First thing I look at when I open a uh, book is I go straight to character creation yeah. and see, is it a class-based system? Is it a point-by system? Yeah. Is it a whatever? Well, what is it going to be like for me to play this game? And so that's the part that you're doing next. So first you say, here's what I've defined. Now here's what you get to do and what you get to be and what you get to pick. And so you go straight to that point of here's where you get to insert yourself so when i hand someone a pitch as you've laid it out here on this template i can define that as a game master this is what i want out of this game these are the themes i care about these are the rules that i want to use these are the sorts of things i'd like you to be but on the flip side here's all the things i'm really looking for you guys to define and you've got a lot of wiggle room in because either I want to see what you're going to do, or maybe I just don't care. It's fine either mm-hmm. way. And that's where your self-insert occurs, and you start yeah. to picture yourself playing this game. Yeah, I added something to this I've never done on the pitch, which is the setup. Basically, what is the first session going to be? Mm. What is status quo when game one begins? I don't normally do that during a pitch. And that's something like the Hollow Earth game. It would yeah. have been... 
an event occurs and you have to rush to the center of the earth. Mm-hmm. I would have presented it better, but that's sure, kind sure. of that's the setup. In this Dresden game, I defined an NPC that is now dead, mm. and this is going to be the setup for the start of the game. What do I need from the characters? Why do you care about that? Yeah. Immediately, instead of presenting in that first session, this happened, and hoping the characters buy in, I'm just asking right around, Yeah, this happened, you care, why do you care? Right. Well, it also helps you understand where you need your character to be for the first game, like as far as being fleshed yeah. out, you know, it's like... The first game is always one of the hardest to get yeah, things you, going. Yeah, because you never know where you need to be, and some some characters have been created to a, a, like a point needs to be, some aren't, and that kind of helps people understand, okay, I need to be here in order for this game to start off making sense. Well, and I remember the bad old days of very early D&D, where there really wasn't pitches beyond, you know, your yield adventures, and there will be dungeons, and there will be dragons, and we're playing dungeons and we're dragons. We're playing yeah. D&D, here's yeah. your starting level. I'm the, right. sword around. Yeah, right. I'm the only one willing to run this game, so here's what we're doing. Yeah. Damn Who, it. Who's falling on the cleric grenade sort Very of thing? Very Stranger Things situation right. happening. <laughs> and, and we've really evolved in our gaming as a sort of hobby in a, in a community where it's a lot deeper, but... The reason I bring up the bad old days of D&D and why this is so much better and we don't really do it anymore is because I have played games like that where everybody it's like, OK, well, I'm going to be the cleric. Thank you, Chad. So you're going to be the fighter. Dan's going to be the rug. You're going to be the ranger. OK, cool. Now we begin. You are in a tavern <laughs> and you see a mysterious figure there. Well, do we know each other? No. Time to role play talk to each other yeah <laughs> like, all of a sudden randomly talk to each other right. in a tavern and hope it works out okay Hi, no. female fighter it is strange you are a fighter and a female but i accept that tail torm and... because i'm not a female <laughs> oh, oh. i am a lord and i apologize <laughs> <laughs> but we've moved beyond that sort of right. thing you know we have so many ways now of not doing that, of making better characters and integrating characters. We have whole systems where the system is about that. And this is yet another very good tool in that here's what the first game is going to be like. Why do you care? It's such a great question. It's just like here is the starting point of the game, and you you don't see the trajectory of the plot, but you see the sort of liftoff of that plot and can kind of divine a little bit of its trajectory And asking why do they care allows the potential, if the pitch is successful, players to latch onto that trajectory and go along with it. And when they do that, then your plots are more integrated with the characters, the players care, the characters care. Everybody can get on this train and get the whole thing moving. Instead of spending like five or six sessions trying to get them to care while the players themselves are trying to figure out why they care. They bought into it. And the other thing I liked about putting this together is that now those ideas are down. Yes. I don't have to keep thinking about them and worrying them and I forget things. I have this all down. I can now focus on the game that we're playing. And then when it's time, come back to them. Because I have them, not just jotted notes that I look at six months from now. And it's like, what did I mean by that? Right. I've thought out the questions, thinking about what is defined versus what are the players defined made me think about that and finish fleshing it out. Yeah. I don't think I could use this template and then come in with a idea that isn't well thought out. Yeah. 
I that was my problem with some of the last ones mm-hmm. is I pitched ideas that weren't well thought out. And if I would have forced myself to go through this, were- I would have realized, first of all, I feel like it's forced to go through it. That's not a game I really want to run. Yeah, this is coming naturally. I'm more excited about this game. And it's one of the things I did. I had four ideas that I ran through the templates. One of them I really struggled with, and I realized not really a game I was excited about as I thought I was. It didn't bring you lasting joy. Yeah, these two. <laughs> Does this bring you joy? <laughs> these two that I used for examples were the extreme end of the spectrum, and I really enjoyed writing both of them. And I thought about more ideas as I wrote them, mm-hmm. and I realized I got passion for running either of these games. Yeah, but the way your personality is, it's different than mine in how you give the pitches. Because mine, like I said, I, I'm probably too emotional. I, I get excited about an idea, and my pitch is to yep. get you excited about the idea. I get excited about the idea when I write about it. Right. Not when you're standing up there, not standing, but you're, you're yeah. with your group, and you're just like, here is the pitch. And I really, really saw you on a stage talking to your group for <laughs> yeah. some reason. I'm like, I totally it, could buy Chad doing that. You're standing there, and you're like, your, <laughs> your hand's shaking, but, and you're podium. trying to picture all of your players naked, which you do anyway. And, <laughs> but let me ask you something. Like, So the way I do it, which, again, I'm not really advocating. It's just what works for me. I'm really actually advocating Wayne's system. I love it. But I do have a question about it, because like the way I do it, I like I said, I, I get you excited about it, and then I, I gauge things. Mm-hmm. I gauge, like the questions you're asking about, you're asking about the vampire and how the vampire's going to do it, and you're really disregarding and not seeming to care about the dragon. So you know what? That dragon, in my pitch and idea, it suddenly becomes a lot less important. Now the vampire yep. starts becoming really important, and it changes on the fly. So how do I- you do that on this? A good example for of what you just said for your pitch style, the Gnarl game. Mm-hmm. I remember your original yes. pitch. That's why I said vampires. <laughs> your your pitch for the Gnarl game was that there's a society of vampires that run everything. And we're all like, I don't like vampires. Whoop. Yeah. That, and yeah, they became the elders that yeah. Pat created. In D&D? Yeah. I just, uh, it was an idea I had. I thought it was interesting. And it's just unusual as well. I mean, I know yeah, no, Ravenloft. And, and it wasn't still. Ravenloft. It was very fantasy fantasy. Yeah. And yeah. to me, it's the marketplace of ideas. Yeah. I put it out there and everyone's, I'm like, wow, look at this. This is awesome. And they're like, that's a turd. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Have you seen it, Twilight? It is a turd. Yep. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you hand out the sheets, then they see everything that's down there. Yeah. Other than that, it's just like game notes. Yeah. If I'm using this as my notes, but I'm speaking, you don't know what's on the paper. Right. I could easily adapt it to, you know, I talk about, uh, oh, there was this beloved member of the paranormal community. Well, what if she were human? Oh, yeah, there was this beloved human (laughs) that knows nothing about the paranormal. Nice. But you don't know what was on the sheet. I could easily adapt to things like that. Because a lot of my game does come from the characters and what's created. Mm -hmm. This is getting me excited and ready for the pitch. I can call an audible on the pitch. Mm -hmm. I can easily change things while going on. But if I've got nothing to start with, and I haven't thought it through to start with, and I don't have that passion, which I realize when I'm writing it, whether I have the passion or not. Mm Mm-hmm. But there is, I think, an advantage to handing these out to people, to printing them out. I think for, like, the D&D game, and when our listeners kind of go to the site and, and take a look at these, they might see it as well. The D&D game, it is what it is. It, it is very much, you're an adventuring guild, you're adventurers, it's fantasy land, 
you're just starting out, low-level adventure, what are you going to do, and this is what we're going to do. And it, it is what you see is what you get. I mean, obviously there is wiggle room. It's yeah. a creative idea. But the Dresden one, I think, really lends itself more towards not printing it out. And like you said, having it closer to your chest. Like you said, the Mama Vivian, beloved member of the paranormal community. And then someone's like, oh, you know what? We Last time we played Dresden, everybody, it was all paranormal community. Like, how do humans work in Dresden? Mm-hmm. And you're like... Oh, yeah, did I say paranormal community? I meant the YMCA. She's part of the regular human community, and it's going to be great. You know, Mama you Vivian do. makes great syrup. She Very does. <laughs> she makes biscotti. So on the D&D pitch, yeah. one of the things I liked about it was defining the world. One of the things you always see in some of the fantasy settings are, like, the Dwarven City. Mm-hmm. I go back to a lot of the fun that I had playing Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you do the Dwarven storyline and you find somebody that wants to go be a wizard but dwarves can't do wizards Mm -hmm. and i got to thinking about that old dagna yeah (laughs) as like they're allowing people in and i like that idea of you have this whole society but not everyone is going to be a dwarf in the Mm -hmm. dwarven city anymore yeah because this is a bigger kingdom and i get really into the world building part of that more than the some of the player stuff and that also kind of showed me where my passion was for it. You know, the Adventuring Guild was a setup for some of the politics stuff I wanted to play with. Mm-hmm. But the world and how the kingdoms fit together and this idea of a king, but his advisors are also all kings. Yeah. I had none of that before the pitch. Yeah. I sat down to write the document. I knew the whole idea about the Adventuring Guild and the politics there. And it's like, okay, well... I need to define what this fantasy world's like. Mm -hmm. And that's where all of that started flowing. What would become the core pitch of this game for me, I hadn't even thought of before I started typing it up. Sure. That really surprised me. And it got the creativity going because I didn't want any section to be just like one line. And see, that's my problem is that I don't know what the game is going to be like until I start talking to my players. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I could fill this out and I can type this up. I just don't know how well it would resonate with me to be able to do my pitch with it because so much of my game is invented on the fly as the players are talking about it and throwing around ideas that I am taking, incorporating or rejecting or seeing what they like, and what they don't like and kind of filtering that and changing it as they go. Like in our current Blades in the Dark game, I had ideas. I, I had these story beats I didn't know how to connect them together. I didn't even know what you guys would be doing. And you guys worked through the whole thing and you decided to become assassins. Mm-hmm. Well, it changes the whole nature of the game. Yeah. And then other players started professing interest in the paranormal, specifically like ghosts and stuff. I hadn't really thought of doing a lot of ghosts, but that is interesting and I can incorporate that. So that's a thing that's going to happen. And like I said, I think that I could do something like this using this template, and I think I should, but I would definitely not hand it out, right. and I would be scribbling all over it as I did it. But it is a really good idea. With the struggles you had with your last pitch yeah. session, where you, you pitched a lot of stuff. I've never had that type of struggle before when pitching games to you guys. Yeah. This last time, I don't know what it was, but it I dropped the ball trying to pitch. I think that you had ideas that you were interested in and one or two ideas that you maybe really liked, 
but they weren't actual pitches or stories or games. They were ideas. And within those ideas were smaller ideas, but again, there was no connective tissue between them that the players could fill in or even you could fill in. But this template forces you to fill, to make some of that connective tissue. I added the notes and comments section at the bottom because there were things that just didn't fit and they would be different for each game. Yeah. So like one example is the Dresden Files one. Notes and comments is secrets encouraged. Mm -hmm. That's something I like when I do games. Characters don't necessarily have to know what each other is or can do. That's something we haven't done in games before as yeah. players. Mm-hmm. We Maybe a little bit of it, but the idea that Chad's character, you don't know what Julia's character is. Right. I think that could be fun to play with. Particularly, I'd like to explore the concept of power temptation. Mm-hmm. So I came up with some ideas to throw out there that could let me do that. So when you're running this... <laughs> Well, I'm not going to pitch it till after current games are over. Because you're a good man, Charlie yeah. Brown. <laughs> but I think about, like you, Chad, there's something mm-hmm. you want to try with every game. Yeah. That would be what I would put in the comment section if I'm not giving it out. Mm-hmm. So, like, one game you wanted to try technology. So you did the whole speaker system, the screens. One game you wanted to try the idea of, uh, you know, I think Redemption was one of the ones you wanted to try. Yeah. So we did that. That would be something I would put in the comment section or the mm-hmm. notes of this is what I'm wanting to try. Yeah. Only if I'm not giving it out. <laughs> well, and it's really funny because your guys' whole pitching system is totally different than mm-hmm. like our group of friends. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's just like, hey, I <laughs> want to run Shadowrun. You want to play? And we're like, yeah. Everybody and then, show up with a character. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just so funny. And it's that. I think. Can I show up with like an. <laughs> I was about to say Elvin Bard, but it's fucking Shadowrun, so yeah. Yeah, you I could. Kind of totally could. We had an everyone show up with a character D&D game. <laughs> it was fun, don't get me wrong. Yeah. The party was a freaking nightmare. But it was a great nightmare, and I think that's yeah. the difference is my, my group of friends tends to roll with those things very well. And I think it's just because we don't take it nearly as seriously because we all can't. We just, we can't. Mm. We all don't have time to spend a lot of energy in some games, yeah. but... It's really funny because I was talking about how we needed to kind of maybe get more pointed in our pitches, in, mm. in our ideas, because we've had a couple turds. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks to sit down in a game that you think is one thing and then realize pretty quickly that's not what you thought it was. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We're pretty laid back as far as that goes. Like I'm like, hey, you're taking your time to write a game. And do the things you are doing because I can't. I just Mm -hmm. don't have the energy for it. So I will do whatever you want me to. You know, like, so I think that's how our friends tend to roll. And we usually have fun. It's more like I'd never played Rogue Trader before. And Mm -hmm. I've decided I really just, I don't. Yeah. Just no. You know, like, and I wouldn't have known that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like that with Monster Hearts. You know, it's like. Monster Hearts? I don't think I've ever played that. It, it's not for me. Okay. It really, it really is not for me. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it really does, and it's fu- it's cool. Glad everyone has fun with it, and I think that it, to pull yeah. it back to the thing, if somebody would have pitched it, if to somebody you. would have pitched it like this template, I could have read it, and it's like, so you're playing monsters, but it's modern day. Okay, cool, and you're teenagers. Eh, okay, cool, and there's a lot of sex stuff in it. And a lot of your powers are derived from sex, and you just don't have like off-screen sex with NPCs. It's like everybody's really cornholing everyone else here. Oh my gosh! And it's like, mm, 
I mean, great. Good for you. <laughs> That's not what I didn't I even know that existed. Get out of here. <laughs> role playing games. Ooh, There's okay. maybe I'm the prude. Sure, but not my. I'm a big fan of Monster Hearts. Yeah, I've yeah. played it's it. It's a great with game. It's many, not for I've me. played it with many different groups. I've run it, mm-hmm. and your experience sitting down for a Monster Hearts game entirely depends on the on people at the with. table. With. Yes. Yeah, you right. can you, you can, can totally... do a great game where yeah. all the sex is off screen, yeah. where some of it doesn't happen very often, or you can have a really sex heavy game. Yeah, or it could be about relationships and not sex, but really. That's, I mean, yeah, I've that's had to roll for pregnancy before, so yeah, <laughs> in a game, <laughs> not for me. It was for another character, but <laughs> we had to get out. Like, I forget that what the name of that book is for Pathfinder. That's just all of the terrible. The Book rules. of Vile D type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, Book of Vile. Yeah, I think that might actually be similar mm. to what it's called. Just to roll on a pregnancy table, <laughs> wow. figure out if they had an STD too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. One of our characters. If you have to try to figure it out, the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this before. One of the characters was like actually evil and we didn't know it. And he was going around trying to like spawn demon babies with everybody. Syphilitic demon babies. Yeah, probably. I mean, it is that time. Yeah. You know, it's a crazy time. When you have clerics and magic healing and things like that, do STDs really matter that much? I mean, you. Okay. Picture this, Wayne. You just did demonic, nasty, all night Bacchanal. Now it burns when you pee, and you think you're, a demon baby is going to come out of your butt. And, cure, and, <laughs> and now, cure disease does not remove mold. Well, well, here's the oh, thing. Now, in your little small village where you're the hero, you got to go to church and ask the pastor to put his hand on your d- to cure your syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have oh, that conversation on screen. That needs to happen. You have one in your party. You go to your party. That's even worse. You You gotta go to your friend. You like knock on their door. Um, Hey, hey, uh, um, you know that you know Terry's party. Uh, Listen, dude, I'll give you a six pack if you put your hand on my and close your eyes and don't say anything to anyone. It's like, don't worry, bro. I got you. I got you, fam. Or oh. we're, you're the cleric and you have to pray to your god. Your god, it. yeah. It's like so. I did some stuff last night. <laughs> Sorry, Torb. <laughs> Tail Torb. <laughs> I mean, that gives like it's like that an interplanar stranger. <laughs> that gives Paladin touch herself a whole like. new meaning. Well, it's the Torm symbol is a hand yeah. that's a gauntlet, gauntlet. So you yeah. have to use the gauntlet. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Ouchie. And you don't even get to warm it up. All right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> everybody. I swear we're going to wrap this one up before it turns into a negative episode. <laughs> but, <Hail> Torm. <laughs> once again, big thanks to Zylo for what he did with Fear of the Con Online. Yes. Thank you, Zylo. And also do check the show notes for links to a blank template. And I'll grab Wayne's two examples. And, and I increase will, the font size. I will fix the font. <laughs> but... Check out for all that stuff. And other than that, you guys have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Booth, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.